Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at the boot camp with Jimbo and Bob, not on the road show, back in our residential domiciles of St. Louis and Jacksonville. And Bob, you guys are in process of looking at bringing a new member into the Bickford house. Yes, Jimbo, we've we've been without a dog now. Our uh, beloved Romeo, who you met, mm-hmm. I think you you and your I did. We did meet Romeo. Pretty good dog. He was with us for 11 years and we got him from the shelter and rescued him. Before that, we had uh, Dash and Princess and we realized that we've had a dog in our household since 1999. Mm. And so we've had a few months without our dog. On social media, I put one of the dogs we're looking at. And so yesterday, Barb and I sat down and did a tour through Pet Finder and put in our criteria. And we realized that she has a type of dog that she likes, which is kind of a black dog with some white barkings. And I tend towards the brown, reddish type dogs. And uh, right now, the key, the ones that are in the front running are Jimbo. If you would guess, are they brown or are they black? Which would you guess? I'm going to say the black with the white. Jimbo, you win the prize. I'll send it to you. (laughs) Indeed. So... So um, we've got a a visitation with a dog who's been fostered, and that's coming up on Sunday afternoon. And so we've got a few other ones in the mix. And she surprised me, Jimbo. She said she wanted, she would be open to having three dogs in the house. Ooh. And I was, I was like, I don't, I don't think so. I think I'm up for three dogs. (laughs) Maybe two. I know at least one, but maybe two. So, you know, we... we, Yeah, you put a picture out on social media and kind of solicited for name suggestions. What's rising to the top of the name suggestions right now? Well, since we are Bob and Barb Bickford, everybody's uh, selecting or suggesting a name, or many people are a name that begins with B, right? Mm -hmm. So... Mm I texted her this morning and said, we could use the, if we start with a B name, like I would like to say, you know, whatever the B name is, whether it's Brutus or Braxton or Bruce or whatever, let's go with the middle name Ulysses and then our last name Bickford. So it'll be Bub, right? So we can call it Bub, right? So there you go. So anyway, she gave me a thumbs up on that. I don't know. We'll see. She, she's one of those who has to look at the dog to discern its name. I, you know, I don't know how that works. But, you know, she just is, she feels like she needs to see the dog and think about a name and it'll just kind of come to her. So, you know, I'm just looking forward to having a dog back in the house. Yeah, We're dog people. And uh, man, when she's she's at her uh, part time job, it's pretty quiet. It's just me here by myself. And so I said to her, I think it's time to get a dog. There you go. Yeah. Well, good. I, I you know, Bo could be a, a good name. Yeah. You know, yeah. you could you could do Bo and I would call the dog Jimbo. Yeah, whenever whatever dog we end up with, I'll uh, put it out on social media. Maybe we'll invite the dog to uh, be part of a boot camp podcast. There we go. And uh, we'll see. (laughs) Absolutely. I love it. So that's I mean, look, I my wife has always said that she is like a dog grandparent. Okay, she likes the idea of dogs Mm -hmm. and she likes the idea of visiting and cuddling with a dog and then returning it to those who are responsible for it when it gets difficult, like a grandparent with grandbabies. And so, but her friend recently purchased a Malty Poo. Oh, yeah. 
that she's kind of fallen in love with. But then I looked up how much Malty poos are. Yeah. And she can be as in love as she wants. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we would have to f- sell our kidneys in order to buy one. No doubt, man. I'm a shelter dog guy. Like, just give me the $40 dog that is kind of a kind of a mix of a bunch of different dogs that's hardy. And I'm also, I kind of had smallish dogs. And I always want, you know, when I got older, I was like, we're getting a big dog, right? So, and we got a, you know, that's kind of our type, a bigger dog with short hair. You know, I don't want a dog I have to take to the groomer, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see what what dog you end up getting and what you end up naming all three of them that you get. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but today we are here to answer a listener submitted question. And so somebody submitted a question to us, which we love whenever people do that, over Facebook Messenger. And they said, what do you do when you fall off the horse, also known as the church decides not to replant or revitalize and chooses or votes to die. And he said, just a thought. It's not talked about much. And how do you move forward when you're still called to replant or revitalization of a church? But it's but that time has come to an end. And I would say not only this this listener, but I've had conversations with a couple other guys that I know of this week that their time at a church has come to an end mm-hmm. because of it, it just not wanting to take those steps of replanting or revitalization. And so really, what do you, what do you do when, when a church, I mean, just basically not just an attitude, but expressly says, we don't want this. Yeah. We're not going there. Yeah, It's like, it's like the last episode we did. I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you do with that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, in a relationship, most of the time you break up with a person, right? So, I mean, you yeah. just move on. You just, but, I, you know, church, we've got a calling, we've got people, we've got to be faithful shepherds. And some guys out there probably listening to us are, are at that spot and they're thinking, man, what do I do? Do I just continue to slug it out here and all that? So, I, first of all, I think it's important for us to say this. As much as we promote revitalization and replanting, here's what we know the majority of churches, that we do consultations with and the churches we do conferencing with and encourage and evaluate and assess. Let me just say this and let's clear the air. uh, There's a good number of them who will not choose to revitalize or replant, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They're just not going to choose it, right? So some of, some of our friends, some of our boot campers are in those churches, right? Yeah. And so I think this is a great, a great practical question for us. And, and so I think, Jimbo, let's say if we're pastoring a church and they say, man, I'll, I'll go so far, but I'm, we're, we're not doing that. We're not going to revitalize. We're not going to replant. I think the first thing to do is to sit down with the Lord and a mentor with your spouse and evaluate your calling to that particular church, right? To say, okay, am I, a couple things. One, am I, am I called to ministry? Let's confirm that, right? And reconfirm that. Cause I think that's something you have to do over and over again. But then secondarily, I think you have to say, okay, if I am called to ministry, Am I called to minister to this church and pastor this church in the next season after they've said no, mm-hmm. right? Because I think some guys may have the mission and the calling to lead a church up to a point, to the point of decision, mm-hmm. and then yeah. and and then the church makes the decision, right? And yeah. so sometimes that means you, um, you, you need to transition. Other times it means you just, okay, roll up your sleeves and you make another run. I think of Brian Croft, right? He, yeah. Yeah. And he, he, led his, he led his church, Auburndale, to several key moments in the life of the church, a couple of which they said no to, and he faithfully and was patient with them and, and continued there. And then eventually got, got them to the place 
where they did some important work in revitalization. Yeah, I mean, I think we have some biblical examples of kind of coming to those crossroads. Mm-hmm. You know, there you have Jesus with the rich young ruler, mm-hmm. where he kind of sets an ultimatum in a sense of, okay, well, this is what it's going to look like for you moving forward to follow me. And and they part ways. Mm-hmm. And that's not what happens, right? And I mean, so many times that we see that this happens. I mean, one, don't take it personal. Don't beat yourself up. Jesus said... If they hate me, how much more are they going to hate you? Right. Right. I mean, if the prophets, so many of the prophets, and the th- there are Old Testament prophets we don't even, that happen in the Old Testament we don't even know about, right? And mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe because everybody told them no, or they uh, killed them, they got rid of them. <laughs> and so, I mean, if you can walk away alive, that's that's a win, right? Mm-hmm. And so, one recognize success is not on you. Mm-hmm. You can just be faithful to what God's called you to do, and then it's kind of out of your hands at that point. But I think one of the things you do have to decide is, are you called to this church specifically, or are you called not to be at that church and pursue replanting and revitalization somewhere else? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think there there are planter types that— you know, plant a church and get it started, and then they go on and plant another one and another one, right? And so I think there are are it, there are revitalizers who do the same thing, right? And, and I think generally, if you look at a five to seven year cycle in a person's life, we have got maybe, and, and Bill Esom, who was a, a retired Methodist pastor, he used to say this, he would say, you probably have in your lifetime, maybe a couple of turnaround churches in you, like where you can lead them to turn because the cost is so extremely high. Specifically, if a church is starting at like a minus, right? Just, just, I mean, you're like getting in there and you're discovering crazy things all the time. And, you know, you got unregenerate leaders and you've got historic divisions and, you know, et cetera. It's going to take you a while and it's going to cost a lot, right, to rebuild that thing. And so there's there's going to be a point in time, let's just say if the Lord is gracious and the church moves forward and and says yes to Jesus and, and what his will is for the church, you might be, you, you might be, really excited to do it all over again, right? And so managing a, a healthy church to to like a hardcore replant or revitalizer looks kind of boring, right? So they like want to go fix something. But I think I think it's not, the lifelong calling to one congregation is pretty rare, I think. Mm-hmm. I just don't see that as much as I, I have. And, you know, you just don't see that. Like there's, there's several guys. There was a, a guy here in, in St. Louis that retired last Sunday after 28 years. And I've got another friend who's really, a, he's relatively a peer, and he was on the mission field. He came back. He planted a church, and he's been there twenty plus years, right? And he's wow. he's probably not thinking. Of, he's he told me the other day. He's like, I, you know, I'm I'm not going to go anywhere else, but I'm I'm thinking about how I can set this up for somebody else. And and so I would just say, some of us, and I've served like four or five different churches in my lifetime, and each of them were I I believe a specific call on my life for that specific church for that specific season. And so some of us may have a call that moves us around a little bit. And so just sit with that brother and, and think about it as, did you learn th- some things? Did you grow? Did you make some mistakes? Mm-hmm. You know, reflect upon that and, and think about that experience. And then think about what kind of place God has birthed in your heart. Like what's the passion that he's birthed in your heart for the future, for ministry? Yeah, I think there could be a temptation in that to put all the blame either on yourself or on the church, right? You, yeah. I think guys are going to be tempted to either go, this is all my fault. I'm a failure. I screwed this up. Or those guys are just unregenerate and they don't even love Jesus and nobody could lead them 
And <laughs> yeah, and the truth is, it is maybe somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe, maybe, maybe it is all your fault. But even if it is, even if even if it's all your fault and you mess this up, the Lord is in control enough that you can't screw up His plans. Yeah. And so don't. It's not going to do you any good to sit here and wallow, right? So it's one thing, and it's wise to evaluate. What could I've done better? How can I grow from this? What can I learn moving forward? What's an entirely entirely different thing to just beat yourself up about it. Mm-hmm. So much of ministry for us, we we feel the complete burden of it, right? And we feel like it's all up to us, and and that's just not biblically true, right? And and so I think we we've, we've got to understand that. And sometimes it takes failure in a place, what we might call a failure, like we didn't see, and the failure is this: it we didn't we did not realize what we had hoped to realize in that location. And so for us, that's our definition of what success was. Like if, if I was successful here, I would have seen this vision. This would have happened, right? Well, I think we got to pull back from that and say, what, first of all, what does the Lord want to happen in this location, right? And you want to think about that with others so that you're not just the sole single source of vision, right? You want to have that confirmed and affirmed by other people that, you know, the, the vision you're pursuing is from the Lord. But then you also have to understand that together, if your church has move, moved forward in uh, towards that vision to the point to where there's a decision to make and they vote against that decision, then your your success was getting them to that point of decision, right? I think about a church that uh, was a church that we did a consultation for, and they were uh, a historic church that were probably, you know, down to 40. They were meeting in about a 600-seat auditorium and they moved downstairs to their fellowship hall. They called a, a really good pastor. I mean, he was just a, he loved them well. He was a good preacher. And they realized w- w- our best option, and this is what we consulted with them. The best option for them was to merge with another church mm. and um, and a church plant. And they, you know, there was a partner that was already identified. They'd already worshiped with them a couple of times over the course of the last couple of years. But there was a resistance that rose up in a few inside of that church that, ultimately, you know, did some campaigning and did some relational networking and they held back the the vote and they didn't achieve the super majority they needed. So they lost by six votes. Mm. Right. And so that pastor then, you know, experienced this. All of the people who voted for joining with that church plant left and went to the church plant. Right? So their 40 was now down to 20. And then in the next week, here's what they told them. Because we're down to 20, we're going to have to pay you part time. Hmm. And you're going to have to move from full-time to part-time and we're going to have to cut benefits. All right. So he's like, man, I was faithfully leading this congregation forward and we got them to the decision point. And now this, like, yeah, I mean, and so graciously, there were some people who stepped up and funded him until he could find another place to go. But looking back, his role in that congregation was to lead them to that point. Yeah. Right. You can't obey for somebody else. Right. Yeah, you can only be obedient for you. So when my heart breaks for that brother, I think ultimately he can look at that as a success because the people who wanted to move forward moved forward on with the other church that they were talking about merging, and the people who didn't want to do anything, Jimbo, they're still meeting in that building. They they meet in the fellowship hall now, but there's about 20 people, and they've got a interim pastor, and they're you know they they made the decision, and it is what it is. Yeah, I think you got to weigh those things out, and you got to if you're going to leave, do so with grace. Mm-hmm. And 
I would even say if if you've if you've come to the conclusion that God has called you to go, if if you get sometimes you don't get to make the decision. Sometimes the <laughs> committee makes that decision for you, which is a, yeah, the finances. It yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe a whole other episode on that. But yeah. if you're going, hey, I think it's time for me to part ways. They we've put it for a vote. Even like we've we've literally said, here's what revitalization is going to look like. Let's vote on it, and mm-hmm. and they vote no, and you decide because of that it's time for you to go, which I don't necessarily think it means that. And before we run out of time, I want to talk about what to do if you decide to stay. Mm-hmm. But if you decide to go, one, you got to entrust them to the Lord's care. And then two, I think it'd be wise to work within whatever your network of churches is, whether that's an association, state convention, or just a handful of churches in your area or, or, or whatever. If you have some network of churches within Southern Baptist life, you probably have an association or at least a state convention try to set them up with an intentional interim, like like schedule a meeting with your leader of that network or somebody in that network and just tell them the situation and say, is there a an interim that is good at going into situations like this mm-hmm. that, that can go in knowing he's temporary and can maybe help them, right? So that's if you're going to leave. If you're going to stay, then maybe change the, move the goal from revitalization to just plain old clear discipleship. Mm -hmm. And what I mean is the end of this may not be any numerical increase at all. And if God's called you to stay, one of the reasons that a church is going to say no to revitalization is they don't want anything to change. Mm -hmm. The reason they don't want anything to change is because they have valued their way of doing things over their call that God has given them to be a member of, of a body of Christ that glorifies him by making disciples. And so maybe step one isn't for you to figure out what to change in the culture of the church, but how to change the hearts of the members. And and that's likely not going to be done in a very efficient way. And so we've got to move away from efficiency here, and we've got to lean into the messiness of incarnational discipleship. And prayerfully ask the Lord to help you identify two or three people that you could really start pouring into and just engaging with the Word of God and in a discipleship way to help them grow in unity and love and maturity, those those kind of biblical markers of success in a church. And as they grow, as they repent, as they have holy discontent and in, in where they're at, that's you've got to get them there. You've got you can't you cannot revitalize a church without holy discontent. Mm-hmm. You're right. You can change the numbers, but you cannot revitalize the health of a church without conviction and repentance. That's so good. And I think that the key there is really seeking the Lord and getting a word from Him on, is is it time to indeed go, or is it time to just make another run at it, but with a different focus? Right. Mm-hmm. And the discipleship focus is really key. As you're describing that, I, I was thinking about the times when Jesus would be frustrated with his disciples and he would say this and to the people that he was teaching, How long must I put up with you? Like, you faithless generation. Like, you guys are, you know. And can you imagine? I mean, the, the Lord is fully human and fully divine. And the frustration he had was like, I'm setting this right before you. The kingdom of God is at hand. Right. Here you go, guys. Like, just get this right. And then they would make some, you know, comment or, you know, not respond in faith or reject him. And then he just like, how, how long? Right. I, but I think that's an honest question. Right. 
And so I would just encourage somebody to say, how long? Now, here's what I would also say. I was in North Carolina for uh, an event. Great. Saw Triple H, Happy Huggy Halleck, Walker, Keelan Cook, David Jackson, Clifton. Some of our good North Carolina friends were all there. An all-star lineup, man. All-star lineup. It was great. And we had we had a blast, man. Lebanon Baptist Church just killed it with Matt Smith and and uh, Nick Decker. Man, they just, they're just killing it up there. Fantastic conference. Um, but I met a guy in my breakout and we sat down and he he just said, you know, I'm trying to evaluate how long do I stay here? Because this church has said no to some moves to to revitalize. They've said no to some things that would help it move forward. And he goes, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how long I should stay, right? So, you know, he explained it to me. And then I just asked him this question, which we often ask guys that are in that situation. I said this, what does your wife say? Mm-hmm. Right. So when I asked him that question, he said, she told me she's ready to leave, right? And I was like, okay, well, then I think you really need to take that into consideration. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, the the health of your marriage and the wisdom of your wife and the emotional condition of your wife are really some things to to take into account as you're seeking um, the Lord. And oftentimes the Lord will speak through your spouse. So if we've got guys out there that are you know, you've run into a big no and you've run into a vote that didn't go your way. Get before the Lord, but also just ask your wife what what her thoughts are. Yeah, I think the Lord often uses our wives to bring clarity to us and, and speak to us. Like this is a tough situation and we're often pretty lighthearted on this podcast, but and this is hard, man. And yeah. for, for a lot of guys, this is a very tough reality where they have been fired or they've had to walk away. And it's hard not to look back on that and think that you have failed. You've let, you've let God down. You've let that church down. And that's the, the beauty of the gospel is that there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. We all make mistakes. And yes, there are consequences. And yes, we have been entrusted with a pretty heavy responsibility to steward the, the bride of Christ, and we should take that very seriously. And we should repent if we see that we have not fallen short on necessarily skill, but we have sinned, if we've been lazy, but that's falling short on your skill and your competency versus your your morality, your sin. It's two different things. And if it's because of your sin, that's repentance that's needed. If it's because of your skill, then it's just growth. and And that's part of what God has given you to help you grow. And that may be the very reason that God have, had you have that season there mm-hmm. so that you could grow in your sanctification. Absolutely. I love the quote from Jeff Origin. I, I don't have it memorized, but in essence, here's what he says is sometimes the sometimes that we, we fail to realize that the Lord is calling us to a work, not to do a major work through us, but to do a major work in us. Mm. And so what I would say is be shaped by, be shaped by the difficult ministry context because it will prepare you for what the Lord has for you in the future. That's good. That's a good word. Tune back in next week to meet the new Bickford dog <laughs> and see who that is. Hey, go go register for Replant Summit, replantsummit.com. Yes. Uh, you'll have me and Bob there just hanging out, but speaking, we'll have Clifton and Happy Huggy Halleck and Min Lee and Jordan Rayner and Frank Lewis and uh, a bunch of other guys doing stuff and even some break Brian Croft and we'll have some breakout sessions that are really good. All that information is at replantsummit.com. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches, big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.